Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. Anyway, last week, I believe we established that those who blindly believe in evolution, have take, they are the ones that have taken that blind leap of faith. And it's not even faith because faith is belief plus proof. There's really no evidence for evolution. Today, we're going to continue talking about science and the Bible. Don't you love this? And you're, you're like, no, <laughs> Let's, uh, I love it. So last week, I need to uh, correct myself. The periodic table, I said, remember, there's 62. Well, no, maybe there's 80. Uh, and Hannah, thank you very much, uh, corrected me afterwards. She's studying chemistry. There's actually 118. <laughs> 92 of those naturally occur and 24 man-made. So that's kind of interesting. But all known elements make up everything, and the elements themselves are made up of atoms. And by the way, there is 95% of the universe that scientists have no idea what this stuff is. Who knows what that's called? Dark matter or dark energy. 95% of the known universe can't be seen. All we can do is see the effects of it. Does that sound like God? Even though we can't see God, we can see the effects of God's Spirit working in people's lives, doing miracles, holding all things together. It's amazing. Dark matter is the stuff in space that has gravity but can't be seen, can't be felt, can't be touched, can't do anything. In fact, there could be dark matter right here. If only 5% of the known universe is actually observable and tangible and touchable and material, what in the world is this dark matter? Has anyone ever studied that? Do you study that in chemistry? No? Astrophysics probably study it, uh, and physicists, because the effects of this dark matter affect all the whole universe. It's, it has a gravitational force. It's got energy, but no one knows what it is, what it looks like, or what it's made of. 95% of the created universe. Note this, that they can't really see it, test it, observe it, etc., yet they extrapolate from the effect that it has on the known universe and its gravitational influence on solar systems and galaxies. It sounds to me a lot like God. That takes faith, just like in God. We can't see him, but we do see his effects. Does the Bible give us answers? I believe it does. Could it be the Holy Spirit or angels or demons? Because we know they have form, they just can't be seen. So they must have a gravitational pull, the Holy Spirit, like dark matter. Maybe it should be called light matter <laughs> or good matter. In Psalm 139.7, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of a dawn and dwell in the remotest part of the sea, 
even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. Could he be the substance that they're detecting? Very well might be. We just don't know. Verse 11, it says, if I say surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Atoms are the building block of everything. They aren't visible to the human eye as well. They're verifiable. It wasn't a verifiable concept that atoms existed until Dr. Dalton discovered them in the 1800s. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that that which is seen was made out of things which are not visible. Atoms. Interesting. I believe where the Bible touches on science it is verifiable, and science has finally caught up to a lot of what the Bible has said. You know, the interesting thing about atoms is the nucleus is made up of protons and neutrons. Well, two like-charged particles repel each other. Scientists don't know how the nucleus of an atom holds together. Now, electrons are attracted to protons because opposites attract. Do you find that in marriage as well? <laughs> in relationships, maybe, but positive and negative attract one another, and the electrons then rotate, but it's, it's held by a force they really don't understand. Even how a nucleus of an atom can hold together, two like-charged particles should fly apart, and the closer together they are, the more they should fly apart. So the energy that they describe how the nucleus holds together, they have no idea what it is. They call it the strong force. You ever heard this? The strong force? Have you heard it? Yeah, you have. That, they don't know what it is. They have no clue what even holds the building blocks of all things together, the nucleus of an atom. It defies science. It defies their mind, so they labeled it the strong force. Maybe that's where Star Wars got that. May the force be with you. PC? Absolutely. You beat me to the punchline. <laughs> yeah, of course. The strong force is a force that attracts protons to protons, neutrons to neutrons, and protons and neutrons to each other, but they have no idea what that strong force is. There's only four forces in science. The strong force is one of them. They don't know what it is, so they just call it the strong force. The other is gravity. The other is electromagnetic force. And the other is the weak nuclear force. These are the only four forces that our whole universe is made of. As its name implies, the strongest of the four is the strong force that holds everything together. And we know, of course, in Colossians, Pastor Chris, thank you, chapter 1, verse 16, 
For by him, Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens on the, and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I love it. That strong force is the Spirit of God. That dark matter that is 95% of the known universe, I believe, must be the Spirit of God somehow because he is everywhere, even in the 5% that is tangible. Science is observing and formulating hypotheses, theories, and laws. Dawkins said this, and we read it last week, biology is the study of complicated things that give the appearance of being designed for a purpose. So if you follow the science and scientific method, what things appear to be, what you can observe and test and look at is true. And even the atheists say the observable universe appears to be created for a purpose. Francis Crick, again, the co-discoverer of DNA, said biology must constantly keep in mind that that which they see is not designed but rather evolved. And so back to evolution because we need to finish that before we go on to science. Which came first, proteins or DNA? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Can science answer these questions? They can't. Does the Bible give us a hint? Absolutely. I, I can answer the question. The chicken came first. God created the chickens like he created Adam and Eve uh, mature and able to reproduce. He created the chickens mature and able to lay eggs. Okay, so that one. Which came first, DNA or protein? DNA is made from protein. DNA tells the RNA how to construct the protein, and so they had to be self-existent at the same time. Not one could have come first. A protein couldn't have developed because DNA had to program all the things within the cell that manufacture the protein and how to do it. They had to be created simultaneously. I love that, even with just that. What about ape to man? What proof do we have? And science digest, Lyle Watson wrote this. The fossils that decorate our family tree concerning evolution are so scarce that there are still more scientists than specimens. The remarkable fact is that all the physical evidence we have for human evolution can be placed with room to spare in a single coffin. I love that quote. And that was in Science Digest. They simply have no proof. What about cavemen, Neanderthal men, all, 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 all those guys? Genetically now, they have tested them, and they're pretty much humans. There's no real big difference. In fact, Job, the oldest book of the Bible, tells us about cavemen. I love that. So this is the oldest book of the Bible. And in Job chapter 30, starting at verse 5, it says, They are driven from the community. They shout against them as a thief. 
so that they will dwell in dreadful valleys, in holes of the earth, in caves and the rocks. Among the bushes they cry out, under the nettles they're gathered together, fools, even those without a name, they were scourged from the land. So these are people that didn't fit into normal society and communities back there, and they forced them into the wilderness to live in caves and all of that. Okay, our bodies are made from the dust of the ground, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and Genesis 3, 19. And scientists have discovered, obviously, that our bodies are made of 28 base and trace elements all found in the soil and in the earth. Just as the Bible predicted, the universe had a beginning, Genesis 1.1, Hebrews 1, 10 through 12, starting with the studies of Albert Einstein into the 1900s and continuing today, scientists now confirm the biblical view that the universe had a beginning. All other cultures back when the Bible was written thought the universe just always existed. Matter always was, but the Bible said, no, it had a tangible beginning, and now science is finally caught up to Scripture. I'm going to go through this stuff fast. The first law of thermodynamics was established in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The first law states that the total quantity of energy and matter in the universe is constant. It can't be taken away from or added to. When God created the world, he said, it is finished in the Hebrew, complete, it is done. Nothing will be added or taken away from it. It's uh, completely uh, complete, <laughs> first law of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics, entropy, is explained throughout Scripture that this world is wearing out, this universe is wearing out like a garment. Psalm 102, 25 and 26, the law states that the universe is running down, deteriorating, constantly becoming less and less orderly. Entropy is literally disorder, so it went from order to disorder. It didn't go from disorder to order. That violates the second law of thermodynamics. It violates science. Nothing can go from order or from disorder to order. All right. The creator, law of cause and effect. There must be some first cause for anything. With every cause, there's an effect, but there's not an effect without a cause. What started the universe? What was that first cause? It only can be explained by God himself in the creative act of speaking the universe into existence, just like the Big Bang. Uh, how about this? Uh, Pleiades and Orion star clusters described in Job chapter 38, verse 31. The Pleiades star cluster is gravitationally bound. They, it, it's tightly held together. It's not coming apart. It is, it, it's together good. Orion star cluster is loose, disintegrating, and stars are, are leaving the cluster. I love it in Job when God tells Job this. Can you bind the cluster of Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? Do you think that's God saying, I, I know, I've bound Pleiades. It's held together, but oh, Orion's belt, it's falling apart. No one knew that when God told this to Job 4,000 years ago approximately. Isaiah 45, 18, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens. 
He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no one else. I love it when evolutionists say, well, the earth was a waste completely and, and all of that. And how did, how did it come to preserve life and even make life? And how did life come from non-life? Science has no answers because it can't. The earth was designed for biological life. Scientists now have discovered that. And the most fundamental characteristics of our earth and the cosmos are so finely tuned that if just one of them are slightly different, life as we know it could not exist. And I'm not going to go through all the science in that, but you can study that. The distance of the moon from the earth. I mean, how much uh, atmosphere we have, how much gravity we have, how much all the ecosystem is so finely tuned They've labeled it now the anthropic principle. How many of you have heard of that? Okay, so science says the anthropic principle is this. This world from scientific observation was finely tuned to support life. Who tuned it? How about the flat earth? Remember when the Catholic Church excommunicated Galileo because they thought the earth was flat? I wish they would have just read the Bible. Sorry about that. <laughs> Isaiah 40:22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Two things here. The spherical circle of the earth God sets above. Secondly, he spreads out the heavens like a curtain, and the space-time continuum now is described like a blanket. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever studied that? Oh, it's really interesting. Okay, all of that goes together with what scientists now are observing. What about this? The earth free floats in space, Job 26, verse 7. While other sources declare the earth set on the back of an elephant or a turtle or was held up by Atlas or they had no idea, you know, that it was freely floating in space. But God in Job 26, 7 said he hangs the earth on nothing. Free floating in space. Spherical. Scripture assumes a revolving, which would mean a spherical earth. In Luke chapter 17, verses 34 through 36, Jesus said, When I return, some people will be asleep at night, while others will be at, in the day working in the field. What is that? That's the global earth. Christ comes for everyone on the planet. I love it in the rapture, by the way. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. Those in China aren't going to come through the earth and be caught up where we are. That's why the Bible says it's a sphere. Those at night, they're going to be caught up, like we'll be caught up. And then it says the angels will gather together the elect from the four, uh, oh, from the sky into one place to Christ. All of that suggests a spherical earth.
Oceans contain springs. Uh, this was in Job 38:16. The ocean's very deep. No one really knew there were springs in the ocean. They thought it was only fed by rivers. But recently, in the, in the 1970s, we developed deep water robotic devices that could withstand the 6,000 pounds of pressure per square inch and go deep down into the depths of the ocean. And guess what they discovered? Springs coming up out of the ground that God revealed to Job way back, way back then. Ocean currents were talked about in Psalm 8.8. 3,000 years ago, the, the Bible described paths in the seas, these currents in the seas. They weren't discovered until a guy named Matthew Murray in the 19th century, the father of oceanography, read the Psalms and said, what is the Bible talking about paths in the sea? What, what is that? So we did research and discovered the great currents, and even today, those that traverse the oceans utilize those currents. It cuts days off their trip because they ride those currents. And in fact, many sea life uh, ride those currents as well. What about Noah's Ark? Its dimensions are perfect for a stable water vessel. In fact, they are used today for container ships. Shipbuilders today use the dimensions that God gave Noah to build stable ships. In fact, in 1993, a scientific study was done and the ark was perfectly situated to handle rough oceans. It could handle 100 foot waves and remain stable. How did no one know? the dimensions. The ancients observed mighty rivers flowing into the ocean, but they could not conceive why the sea level never rose. You ever think about that? I mean, all these rivers around all flow into the sea, but the sea level stays the same. Where does all that water go? There's springs of water on the ocean floor, flowing water into the ocean, but the ocean's level doesn't increase. They couldn't figure out all the way up until modern science what, where all that water went. Well, guess what? The hydrological cycle is described in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 7, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 13, and Amos chapter 9, verse 6. And God declares, God draws up drops of water which distill as rain from the mist which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. Job 36, 27, and 28. This cycle, this evaporation of water in the ocean that carries clouds over the land, that rains down on the land, some is absorbed, some flows back to the sea, but it's perfect. That's why the sea level remains the same. If there was more evaporation, we would be flooded, and uh, the ocean, if there was less, we wouldn't have enough water, and, and plants and animals wouldn't survive. The ecosystem is finely tuned by God. Everything we see, all the erosion and all the appearance of millions of years that we look at, the strata in the rocks are all a result of the flood. Even the fossil record that we have observable today is a result of the global flood. 
Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die, Genesis 6, 17. Why did God kill everybody? Because the thoughts and the intents of man's heart were what? What does the Bible say? Always wicked, constantly. They had grown so violent and wicked. The fountains of the deep broke, Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. The windows of heaven opened, 40 days and 40 nights it rained. The waters lifted the ark 450 feet long, about, the waters prevailed and increased greatly. The waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth to where the highest mountain, the waters prevailed 22 feet above the highest mountain, according to the Genesis account. Why are we talking about a global flood? Because the evidence of a global flood is irrefutable, and it's in almost every, con well, every continent in the world the people that live there, the indigenous natives, tribes, or whoever they are, have a flood account. A global flood. Sedimentary deposits, unlike any produced today, are a result of this flood. Dr. Keith Windsor, the head of the physics department at Cal State Fullerton, uh, who is also on, um, well, used to be with us at Coastland University, they did research on the global flood. By the way, he is a six-day young earth creationist, as are many, many scientists. Over 900 PhD scientists have signed that they reject evolution. Why? Because the pressure on them to teach evolution is so strong, many have lost their jobs. But they did in this huge uh, container, they, they mimicked a global flood. And guess what they found? Strata that appears to be millions of years old developed in a matter of two minutes. Mount St. Helens, they have strata that appears to be millions of years old that was made in a day. They carbon dated the rocks that were brand new. And some were a million years old. Some were like 20,000 years old. Some were like 3,000 years old. If you look at the strata and the layers, which they say are millions of years old, you'll notice this. There is no erosion between the layers. It's as if one layer was deposited and... It wasn't millions of years because there's no erosion. There's, there's no that. Then the next layer was deposited. Then the next layer, it might be thicker. All the layers, when you apply scientific method, appear to be laid down in a cataclysmic flood. Flood legends are all over the world. I'm looking at a map. You can't see it, but those online, if you're uh, watching online later, you can see the PowerPoint. But all over the world, I mean, the dots are everywhere. F global flood stories. Flood legends all agree 
that God judged mankind with a flood that covered the whole earth, and there were only a few survivors. So many people say, where did all that water come from? Well, the aquifers under the world, remember we read, they exploded forth and the rain for 40 days. So it was both under the earth, and that's hydroplate technology, tectonics, and you can study that later. We don't have time to get into that. Wow, we only have 10 minutes. Reuters published this in 2001, March 16th. A Mars calamity may have created the conditions for life, and, and they were trying to establish that maybe there's life on Mars. Guess what this calamity was? Well, scientists have predicted and found out that there was this tharsis magma, this this event that happened on Mars, and the whole planet was covered in water potentially 400 feet thick. A global flood on Mars. That's exactly where our Earth, uh, the water, came from. In fact, one guy said this. By the way, he, uh, in the Journal of Geophysical Research, Volume 110, Issue E12, uh, September 2005, I proposed that the mega flood on Mars incised the crust more than 700 meters, penetrated the cryosphere, and triggered the release of groundwater and a genesis of secondary chaos zones. At the same time, the flood uh, and the cryosphere thickened the groundwater depth would have been 700 to 1,000 meters on present-day Mars. Okay, so scientists can believe in a global flood on Mars, but not the global flood on Earth, when all the evidence points to a global flood. In fact, all the fossil records, fossils uh, to be fossilized need to be buried quickly. Do you know they found a T-Rex that has actually uh, organic material in it? In fact, blood vessels? And, 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 and little microscopic things. One scientist said it's as if it was buried yesterday. <laughs> it had to be buried quickly. Everything we observe, from the erosion to the strata to the layers to all of that. By the way, do you know we have polystrata fossils? So in this strata, it, the scientists say that was like 10 billion years ago. And the next strata was 5 billion, and the next was 1 billion, and this. And then we have a petrified tree, petrified wood, that goes through all those levels, all that strata. It's impossible. It had to be the result of a global flood. By the way, Genesis 7:11, exactly as the scientists described the flood on Mars, says this. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day that all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened, the rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. So what do we observe? In the fossil record, there's billions of dead things buried in sentiments worldwide. Fossil graveyards worldwide with all kinds of different animals. By the way, they've uh, done studies, again, as to why do we have the, the, the different periods and different uh, dinosaurs buried in those periods. Well, dead things tend to float 
on the ocean. You ever seen like a dead seal or whatever? So the, the, the little creatures that they find at the lowest levels that they say we all evolved from were the first ones to sink and get buried. And then the next level, they would finally sink and get buried. And they actually did studies, and I don't have uh, that with, well, I do, but we don't have time to get to it. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. I'll tell you from memory. Correct me. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but, but, but the bigger uh, dinosaurs uh, later would have floated longer and then be buried later. And, and so it, it's all proven that that's how those fossils got buried and all that. We have marine fossils on the top of mountains. You ever find one? Yeah, me too. Yeah, we used to backpack in the Sierras and go up above the timberline. And all of a sudden it's like, what? There, there's a fossil. What the heck? You know, we would find them all over. Large amounts of biomass buried for fossil fuels, coal and oil worldwide. And again, we don't have time to get to it, but I have the research. Now they've proven, uh, scientists used to say it would take millions of years for fossil fuel to be created. Well, now they can do it in 15 minutes from any organic matter. And it just takes, note this, a lot of water and a little heat and a little pressure. They said, uh, the one scientist said, we used to try to take the water out to try to make fossil fuel, but no, we have to infuse it with water. It has to be waterlogged and heated with pressure, which is the burying of all the sediments from the cataclysmic flood that occurred. It can happen in a short period of time. Now they can make what they thought took millions of years to make fossil fuel in 15 minutes. Okay, skipping that. All right, on your uh, handout today, you see that um, Japanese word for boat, and it's made up of vessel eight people. Isn't that interesting? I think it's interesting. <laughs> All right. Oh, by the way, to create is a Japanese symbol, and it's made up of these four symbols. Speak, dust, life, walk. To create. Very interesting, right? Forbidden is made up of three symbols. Two trees and God. Interesting. Flood traditions are all over the world. In fact, there are 257 flood legends. Some say as many as 500 from all over the world. Evidence of a catastrophe in the geological column. Contemporary geologists and paleontologists now generally accept catastrophe as a way of life, although they may avoid the word catastrophe. There's numerous examples of sediments composed of many thin uh, laminate that were laid down rapidly in short period of times, even in minutes, from this cataclysmic global flood. Skipping that too. Okay, the oldest living thing on earth. Who knows what it is? A hint, it's a tree. 
Yeah, Larry probably knows. He knows everything. The, <laughs> it is either an Irish oak or the bristlecone pine. And if we assume growth at the rate of one uh, tree ring per year, now some years where they get a lot of rain, they might have two rings. Okay, that's typically more rare. Usually it's about one a year. During the rainy season, they, they grow, and uh, it's like every spring they, they get that next ring. Are you with me? Okay, if we assume that the oldest living trees are between 4,500 and 4,767 years old. We know that for scientific fact. Guess what happened right in that time period? The global flood. It would have killed all the existing trees and the new trees that begin to grow, the oldest living things on earth are exactly the age of when the flood occurred. Isn't that interesting? Because these trees are still alive and growing, and because we don't know uh, yet how old they can get before they die, this indicates that something happened around 4,500 to 4,767 years ago, which caused the immediate ancestors of these trees to die. We find fossilized forests of trees that were buried quickly and absorbed the minerals and became rock. That, have you ever seen fossil wood? Oh, it's really cool. You know, it looks like the tree, but it, it, it's a rock. And you, oh, it's really, 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 really neat. The giant sequoias of California have no known enemies except man. And only recently did man uh, with saws have the ability to easily destroy them. Insects do not bother them, not even forest fires typically. They live on century after century, yet the sequoias are never older than 4,000 years. These giant redwoods seem to be the original trees that existed in the timber stand after the flood. Fossil wood, by the way, the oldest fossilized trees we have only have 15,000 to 17, or I'm sorry, 1,500 to 1,700 rings. Why is that important? Because before the flood, about 1,500 to 1,700 years, God created the world, if you're a young earth creationist. So the oldest trees that were around when God created, when they became fossilized, about 1,500 to 1,700 years later, a catastrophe happened where they were buried quickly and they became fossil wood, the global flood. All of science, all the observable facts point to intelligent design, point to a creator, point to a world that was made for life and establishes there was a beginning to the universe. The first law, the second law of thermodynamics and other laws establish the biblical account. I have so much more, but we need to end. So worship team, come on up. By the way, uh, they find mammoths under 100 feet of ice. Scientists used to think that would have taken, you know, millions of years for 100 feet of ice to bury this mammoth. 
What if I told you we found airplanes under 250 feet of ice in Greenland? Fact of the matter is, we did. It was the Lost Squadron of 1942. And in 1988, they found them 250 feet, 75 meters under the ice. So in just those few years, from 1942 to 1988, 250 feet of ice buried these planes. It wasn't millions of years ago. Science confirms the Bible. By the way, every other religious record, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, the Bangladesh, all these other Eastern writings are, contain a lot of myth and a lot of false truths. But the Bible has always stood its ground. You can rely on that. In two weeks, I believe, we're going to talk about the veracity of the Bible, why we know it's God's Word. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word, I love the way it comforts me, strengthens and restores my soul, satisfies my needs.